Dante Gabriel Rossetti, The Blessed Damosel. Dante Gabriel Rossetti was both a painter and a poet, and is probably most famous for having been one of the founders of the Pre-Raphaelite Brotherhood in 1848, along with William Holman Hunt and John Everett Millais. This was an artistic movement that wished to revitalize painting by returning to the simpler and to them more natural style of the medieval period, the style that existed prior to the movement, led by Raphael and others, that became known as the Renaissance. Pre-Raphaelite refers to a style that existed before Raphael. Pre-Raphaelite art is very distinctive, and a web search of the term will provide numerous examples of art in this style. As you look at paintings from this movement, you may notice that some of the same models appear as the subjects in several of the paintings. A model often appearing in Dante Gabriel Rossetti's paintings was Jane Morris, the wife of the painter, poet, and designer William Morris a woman with whom Rossetti was in love. As a bit of an aside, Rossetti had a rather notable love life. He was married to one woman who committed suicide, in love with another, William Morris's wife Jane, and lived with another whom he didn't love. When his wife, Elizabeth Siddall, committed suicide by an overdose of laudanum, he placed the manuscript of his poems into her casket and then regretted this gesture and had her exhumed seven years later so that he could retrieve the manuscript for publication. The poem that he said he most wanted was Jenny, which will be discussed in the next podcast. Pre-Raphaelite art is characterized by, among other things, a vivid and sensuous use of color. I'm going to quote from a description of a pre-Raphaelite painting from a novel of this period, a so-called sensation novel by Mary Elizabeth Braddon, Lady Audley's Secret, published in 1861. Braddon's novel presents a vivid and somewhat whimsical description of pre-Raphaelite art. In this scene from the novel, two men are looking at a portrait. Quote, My lady's portrait stood on an easel, covered with a green baize in the center of the octagonal chamber. It had been a fancy of the artist to paint her standing in this very room and to make his background a faithful reproduction of the pictured walls. I am afraid the young man belonged to the pre-Raphaelite Brotherhood, for he had spent a most unconscionable time upon the accessories of this picture, upon my lady's crispy ringlets and the heavy folds of her crimson velvet dress. Yes, the painter must have been a pre-Raphaelite. No one but a pre-Raphaelite would have painted hair by hair those feathery masses of ringlets with every glimmer of gold and every shadow of pale brown. No one but a pre-Raphaelite would have so exaggerated every attribute of that delicate face as to give a lurid lightness to the blonde complexion and a strange, sinister light to the deep blue eyes. No one but a pre-Raphaelite could have given to that pretty, pouting mouth 
the hard and almost wicked look it had in the portrait. It was so like and yet so unlike. It was as if you had burned strange colored fires before my lady's face and by their influence brought out new lines and new expressions never seen in it before. The perfection of feature, the brilliancy of coloring were there, but I suppose the painter had copied quaint medieval monstrosities until his brain had grown bewildered, for my lady, in his portrait of her, had something of the aspect of a beautiful fiend. Her crimson dress, exaggerated like all the rest in this strange picture, hung about her in folds that looked like flames, her fair head peeping out of the lurid mass of color as if out of a raging furnace. Indeed, the crimson dress, the sunshine on the face, the red gold gleaming in the yellow hair, the ripe scarlet of the pouting lips, the glowing colors of each accessory of the minutely painted background, all combined to render the first effect of the painting by no means an agreeable one. End of quote. If you read or think of this passage while you are looking at some examples of Pre-Raphaelite art, you'll see that it is quite a good description. The Blessed Damozel, written when Dante Gabriel Rossetti was only 19, is a good example of the Pre-Raphaelite approach to poetry. It's a very painterly poem, and in fact Rossetti later created a painting that was based on his earlier poem, and can be found in many collections of Pre-Raphaelite art. In the painting, we see the Blessed Damsel, or Damsel, gazing longingly toward the earth from heaven, where she is surrounded by angels, and the lover at whom she is gazing is seen in the bottom part of the painting, which is separated from the scene at the top. His painting, as is the case in both his paintings and his poetry, fuses the spiritual and the sensuous. Rossetti saw his poem as a kind of response to Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven. He wrote that, I saw that Poe had done the utmost it was possible to do with the grief of the lover on earth, and so I determined to reverse the conditions and give utterance to the yearning of the loved one in heaven. And indeed, his is a very sensuous heaven. The poem is sometimes seen as depicting the poet's self-dedication to an unattainable heavenly muse. The poem begins... The blessed damsel leaned out from the gold bar of heaven. Her eyes were deeper than the depth of water stilled at even. She had three lilies in her hand, and the stars in her hair were seven. Her robe, ungirt from clasp to hem, no wrought flowers did adorn, but a white rose of Mary's gift for service neatly worn. Her hair that lay along her back was yellow like ripe corn, her seemed she scarce had been a day one of God's choristers. The wonder was not yet quite gone from that still look of hers, albeit to them she left, her day had counted as ten years. End quote. So we see the blessed damsel leaning out over the banister of heaven and gazing toward her lover on earth. Earthly and heavenly time are juxtaposed here, as what seems only a day for her since she died and came to heaven is ten years on earth. 
Notice the sensuous details about her eyes, her clothing, and her hair. The following stanzas describe where she is standing and how much she is aware of lovers who have been newly reunited in death while she is separated from her lover. It was the rampart of God's house that she was standing on. By God built over the sheer depth, the which is space begun, so high that looking downward thence she scarce could see the sun. It lies in heaven across the flood of ether as a bridge. Beneath the tides of day and night with flame and darkness ridge the void, as low as where this earth spins like a fretful midge. Around her lovers newly met, mid deathless love's acclaims, spoke evermore among themselves their heart-remembered names. And the souls mounting up to God went by her like thin flames, and still she bowed herself and stooped out of the circling charm until her bosom must have made the bar she'd leaned on warm, and the lilies lay as if asleep along her bended arm. From the fixed place of heaven she saw time like a pulse shake fierce through all the worlds. Her gaze still strove within the gulf to pierce its path, and now she spoke as when the stars sang in their spheres. The sun was gone now. The curled moon was like a little feather fluttering far down the gulf, and now she spoke through the still weather. Her voice was like the voice the stars had when they sang together. End quote. The Blessed Damosel imagines being reunited with her lover when he joins her in heaven. In fact, she is praying that it will be soon. I wish that he were come to me, for he will come, she said. Lord, Lord, has he not prayed? Are not two prayers a perfect strength? And shall I feel afraid when round his head the aureole clings and he is clothed in white? I'll take his hand and go with him to the deep wells of light, as unto a stream we will step down and bathe there in God's sight. We too will stand beside that shrine. When her lover eventually joins her in heaven, she plans to approach the Virgin Mary and Christ to ask permission for the two to live together in love as they were on earth. We too, she said, will seek the groves where the Lady Mary is, with her five handmaidens, whose names are five sweet symphonies, Cecily, Gertrude, Magdalene, Margaret, and Rosalies. Circle-wise sit they, with bound locks and foreheads garlanded, into the fine cloth white like flame, weaving the golden thread, to fashion the birth robes for them who are just born, being dead. He shall fear haply and be dumb. Then I will lay my cheek to his and tell about our love, not once abashed or weak, and the dear mother will approve my pride and let me speak. Herself shall bring us hand in hand to him round whom all souls kneel, the clear-ranged unnumbered heads bowed with their aureoles, and angels meeting us shall sing to their citherns and setoles. There will I ask of Christ the Lord, thus much for him and me, only to live as once on earth with love, only to be, as then a while, forever now together, I and he. 
This vision of eternal love seems to quiet her anguished longing somewhat, and in the final lines of the poem, she is more able to accept that she must wait a bit longer for her lover to join her, though the final image is of her weeping. She gazed and listened and then said, less sad of speech than mild, all this is when he comes. She ceased. The light thrilled toward her, filled with angels in strong level flight, Her eyes prayed, and she smiled. I saw her smile. But soon their path was vague in distant spheres, and then she cast her arms along the golden barriers and laid her face between her hands and wept. I heard her tears. The Blessed Damozel, Dante Gabriel Rossetti's most famous poem, is a good example of his fusion of the spiritual and the sensuous.